Hi everyone, it's Cricket Song with Lunar Wisdom, and we're here with another episode of The Sacred Circle. We broadcast live every Thursday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Unfortunately, my co-host Renee will not be with us this evening. She actually resides in Houston, Texas, and was evacuated due to the hurricane, um, and she's staying with family in Oklahoma, so she is uh, not able to be with us tonight, but my thoughts go out to her and her family because um, I know there's a lot of uh, recovery time going to have to occur for her. So I'm not even sure if she'll be here when the next time she'll show up. So keep her in your in your thoughts. Tonight we're here with Rev Reverend Campbell, and we're going to be comparing uh, satanic witchcraft with traditional witchcraft. So I want you all to say hello, and I'm going to give him a few minutes to introduce himself to you all. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Reverend Campbell. Uh, I actually run a YouTube podcast. Or actually, I refer to it as a vidcast, but it's called Speak of the Devil. Uh, you can find that if you just search Reverend Campbell in YouTube or just Speak of the Devil in YouTube, and I might come up with that one too. But my website's uh, reverendcampbell.com. It is purely a satanic vidcast, though. So, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be talking about anything that's not related in some measure to Satanism. Uh, on that. And again, those are like an hour similar to your show here. Um, yeah, other than that, I, you know, I, I want to make sure everyone understands that I'm a member of the Church of Satan. I'm a reverend. I'm in the priesthood of Mendez. But in this format right here, I'm not representing the organization at all. I'm representing myself and my own ideas as filtered through uh, Satanism uh, in relation to satanic magic. So, don't take what I say as an indication of any Satanist you ever meet, because especially when it comes to satanic magic, even Satanists vary in acceptance and understanding. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of that. Great, great, great. And this is exactly what I was looking for. So I'm glad you, uh, you took my invitation and agreed to sh show up on the show. So thank you so much. Hey, thank you for inviting me. I, I, this is gonna be a lot of fun. I don't do a lot of I'm not the recipient on the, on the receiving item, uh, side of an interview. I'm usually the one like conducting it. So this is a little bit different. It'll be nice. Yeah. It'll be fun. Good, good. So for me, when we are going into discussions, uh, I love definitions so that we're all aware of where we're coming from. So communication hopefully doesn't get too uh, crazy. So yeah. talking about from your perspective, if we're talking about traditional witchcraft, what is it that you understand of that? What is your de what would your definition be of traditional witchcraft? Oh, geez. Uh, before I uh, before I discovered Satanism, I was always drawn to the occult. Um, typically, when people become Satanists, or, or I shouldn't say become, they identify themselves as Satanists, they come into it from two very different angles. It's traditionally, again, uh, either the occult side or the atheist side. And that's where they then stumble across uh, the standard Bible and then they you know, see themselves in the text. And so I came coming in from the occult side, magic for me was a natural extension of will. Uh, it, so when you talk about like traditional witchcraft, I'm going back to the historical references of uh, you, you know, the, the myths that came out of uh, Salem uh, in puritanical uh, America, um, the ideas of traditional pagans and Wiccans who uh, like to convene in a coven setting and cast spells. Of course, one of my favorite cinematic versions is going to be The Craft, which uh -huh. I thought was just so much fun as a kid. Uh, you know, Furries of Bog is pretty hot anyway, so <laughs> didn't hurt. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And so my understanding of traditional magic would be the witch uh, looking to tap into some vein in nature in order to uh, gain some authority or power or knowledge and then direct it in some way. Okay, good. Because I, I would totally agree with that. So I definitely think of that too. I mean, and uh, personally, when I stumbled upon Satanism, never really identified with it, but had friends who were Satanists. It was from that occult. I mean, I grew up in a Roman Catholic household. So I grew up in Christianity and the devil and Satan, that was all bad stuff. Yeah. But when I stumbled into uh, magic and occultism, it sort of just kind of led me into, well, then what was the church always saying was so bad? You know, the curiosity. And that's when I started seeing similarities, differences, yeah. but similarities too, which is, which is why I'm glad we're going to have this conversation. Because I think even uh, now identifying as a non-traditional Wiccan, a lot of people don't truly understand Satanism and Satanic magic. And I think it's important to really at least educate yourself, even if you don't identify with it, even if you don't agree with it, but at least educate yourself. Because I find that for a, non, a Wiccan or a non-traditional or eclectic or any Wiccan to say, I'm Wiccan, I'm not Satanist, to, is to sort of shed that and put Satanism in a bad light, like throw them under the bus when they, they don't even belong under that bus either. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I hate being under buses. <laughs> I mean, given the opportunity, I would never go on. You'd rather drive bus. that bus, right? Yeah, drive the damn bus. That's where you belong. No, I, I think that's a really good point that you bring up, though, because I think people get a little comfortable in life. So whether it's their uh, researching or identifying as uh, a, a varied form of uh, pagan or uh, even Satanist, you know, one of our watchwords, one of our phrases is study, not worship. And that's this continual reminder as an individual, as a human being, we're here a very limited amount of time. So we need to make the most of it. And that means you have to broaden your horizon. You have to learn more. You have to challenge established notions that are presented to you. And that I, I think extends beyond just Satanists. And I think as if you self-identify as a witch in any form, or if, if it's, uh, I don't know, you own a store uh, selling balloons I, hopefully you're going to study and learn how to be a better businessman or woman and then, you know, grow your business. So you're always going to be educating yourself, I guess, is the point of this weird balloon turned rant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're always would... going to be challenging yourself and, and, and doing everything you can in order to better yourself. And that means breaking perspectives that maybe you've held for years. But what's wonderful about being a human being is that for every perspective that you've broken, you've gained a new understanding. And that then leaps you forward to grow as a human being and be more productive in the society you live in and more valuable to those around you. Right. I agree completely. Seek, seek, learn, grow, expand. Those are wonderful. So satanic witchcraft, what would, what would that, how, I guess, I mean, the whole conversation is going to be looking at the differences and the similarities between, you know, the traditional or the witchcraft or however we defined it already and satanic witchcraft and how is it the same and how is it different? So if someone were to say, can you tell me what satanic witchcraft is about? What would your response be? 
uh, I would say, well, the definition is very clear uh, in the Standard Bible, and it's, and I'm, you know, probably truncating here a little bit, but uh, the change in situations or events in accordance with one's will that would otherwise not have occurred. So during the normal course of events of life and reality, you are actively making a change, a deviation from it in accordance with your will. That is, and though I love the word witchcraft, um, that is what satanic magic really comes down to. Sounds very similar to Aleister Crowley's definition of magic. Well, there's some pretty big deviations <laughs> with is there? almost everything uh, Aleister Crowley. I mean, he was a he was he was a, a drug addict loser. I mean, he he, he tried <laughs> to do some really absurd things. Uh, not to mention the you know wanting to birth a god or a goddess. You know. <laughs> well, but we're all gods, anyways, aren't we? But so, um, and that is a very satanic ideal. Yeah, I mean, I we know. are our own god, and and that's I think where the biggest variation goes. Um, and we can really hit home on this point uh, early on in the discussion is that a satanist because we don't believe in any anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic deity, we don't believe in this other essence out there um, that's controlling or, or holding exclusive control over reality or, or life or existence. When we conduct any form of magic, it's for our own ends and we're using our own energy to do so, our own intent rather than trying to tap into something else, something greater, something beyond, or, or you know, anything like that. And so that, I think, is the, the largest difference. Um, you're going to find a lot of similarities because, quite frankly, when Anton LaVey defined Satanism and codified what it meant to be a Satanist, uh, as any practical human being would do, he would look to those who inspired him, those who maybe had done a really great job already, and then he's going to take what works for him and he's going to discard what doesn't. And that's, in essence, a lot of what Satanism really is. Ideas that have been around for a while, Anton LaVey never claimed to have created everything out of whole cloth, that he really molded and formed. And satanic magic is that exact thing personified. That idea of taking what works for you and using it and discarding what doesn't. And that extends even to the presented form of satanic magic that's in the satanic Bible and satanic rituals. Well, that's interesting because, I mean, even from my perspective and what I practice, again, non-traditional Wicca, meaning I don't have a lineage, I'm very eclectic in my practice. When I practice magic, I can pull from myself or I pull from other sources, one which would be a deity. Mm -hmm. But I do perceive myself and I, and I see all human beings as a physical manifestation of that source energy. So in essence, I am God as well as part of that energy source. So there's a similarity, but there is a difference. There is yeah. a difference. But I mean, then that's why when I started, you know, looking at things, uh, Satanism really was attractive because there seemed to be a lot of parallels that were similar to things I already practiced. Now, yeah. when I mentioned Aleister Crowley, I was just saying the definition of magic seemed to be very similar. You know, the uh, ma uh, manipulating energy and conformity of will to make a change in the reality, which was very similar to what you yeah. were saying. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, whenever anyone brings up Crowley, because people have an emotional reaction when it comes to ideas or names or, or phrases. Aleister Crowley is one of those where there's a lot more emotional baggage involved and less 
knowledge about the reality of who and what he was. And so whenever I hear it, I'm not, I just want to make sure everyone understands that there's nothing inherently satanic about Aleister Crowley or what he did. Though again, to your credit, to what you were saying, uh, they're parallel ideas in a lot of different magical systems. And so, you know, it's just, it's, it's approach and minutia that really make the, the biggest separation. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I agree that people do have an emotional reaction to the name. <laughs> yeah, they sure do. Uh, Anton LaVey is another one that they have an yeah. emotional reaction to as Absolutely. well. Not to say that they're similar. I'm just, I mean, I totally Gerald, Gerald Gardner, they have a reaction to as well. I got you can you. name a whole bunch of different people. Um, so the main purpose, I think you already answered this, but I want to sort of, you know, expand on it a little bit. So the main purpose for practicing satanic magic is to change. Yeah, enact transformation. Change. Yeah, yeah, and ultimately, all the the goal of the satanist is self growth, and that's on the satanist terms. And so there's not like one definition of what success means as a human being uh, that we all individually strive for. And so what I would think of as something that I'm working for, a goal that I said is going to be dramatically different, even though I, we share a religion with other Satanists, that's pretty much where it begins and ends. Uh, we are so dramatically different. So when it comes to magic, the intent and use of magic, if Satanic magic, is almost always universally the same. You want to use it as a tool to further your success or your goals or aid those that you love or achieve a partner that you're lusting after, you know, in some way, uh, extend your will to the greater world at large. And again, it's just, it's a tool. It's, it's one of the many tools in a human being's toolbox. And it, it's one of those that, um, uh, I mentioned before that not every Satanist sees magic the same and some outright reject the idea of it. I want to maybe, dive a little deeper in the definition of magic to, to clarify that because satanic magic is broken into two primary categories. You have greater magic, which most people would recognize as ritual magic. That's where you go into your decompression chamber, your ritual chamber, and you would perform uh, very occult-like rituals right. that are as customized as you want them to be, though there's some generic information laid out in the standard Bible for most people to give a starting point. Um, and then there's lesser magic, which is pretty much just um, situational manipulation. Um, it's it's really the on the ground form of magic that you're gonna be using more than anything. Um, it's interpersonal events like this one or walking down a street with someone and uh, you, know, you trying to get them to do something for you or maybe you're trying to just seduce them, you would be using lesser magic to do that. Um, and so the to the extent that I had mentioned that some Satanists see magic differently, it's really just the greater magic side of it. Because human beings, we, we, we come into a religion uh, with, again, the idea of Aleister Crowley having a lot of baggage with it. The idea of magic has a lot of baggage with it. So if you came in from an atheistic side, maybe you don't think that there is any benefit to a ritual form of magic, but certainly psychological manipulation you see a benefit to. So you would be utilizing primarily lesser magic over greater magic. Um, but then maybe you came in from the occult side of it. And so you really love that, uh, that, that expression of greater magic. You love how it makes you feel. You love that occult trapping of it. And so maybe you practice a little bit of more greater magic or just you practice it 
kind of, you know, in opposition of everyone who doesn't. Um, and so it, it just depends on where you come from as a Satanist on your individual understanding or practice or belief in or exercise of, you know. It sounds very similar, like, when I when I think of it from my perspective, it sounds very similar between, you know, the ceremonial high magic and the folk magic, the magic for, you know, getting that job, like you said, getting that lover, uh, getting uh, healing, and, and things of that sort, to me, fall under, like, the folk magic, the low magic, and the more Wiccan ritual for the sabbats and uh, evoking the gods and working with spirits. Um, that big old ritual calling, casting circle, calling quarters is more of the, the ceremonial magic, the greater magic, yeah. I think is what you said. So that sounds, and, and for me, I use both. I mean, there are times when got to put on the robe and get, you know, the, the crown and do the whole thing or just walking down the street that person i i want that parking spot kind of thing yeah. um or you know you're trying to sell someone something i always think of the lesser magic or the folk magic more like glamoring and in in this situation uh being a good salesman or mm -hmm. or customer service rep you know whatever you do in the mundane life using that to make your day go a little easier Right. I mean, isn't yeah, that that's, that's exactly. Yeah. It, the way you're describing it, I, I'm not familiar with like folk magic or anything like that right, as, right. as a formal definition. But the way you're describing it, it does sound very much like what we would term uh, lesser magic for sure. And it's all based on the premise uh, that you're capable as uh, a witch or a warlock of capturing uh, the attention of your mark. You know, you, it all stems from this command to look forcing them to focus on you and no one else. And then, you know, each witch is a little bit different. And so you're going to use a, a one or another or a combination of uh, uh, sex sentiment or wonder in order to manipulate that individual. Um, and a lot of it has to, this is where uh, it gets really complicated because, you know, it, it's very situational based and it's very individual based, uh, you know, on the witch themselves and how they want to, what they're trying to do, uh, how they want to approach it, whether they're going to be conforming to the target or whether they're going to be conforming to their own sense of identity. And and then you get into uh, archetypes and, and body types and demonic selves and it, it just sort of spirals. And that's why, you know, study not worship is such an important idea among Satanists because there's there's no one manual that you're going to be able to read to fully understand magic. And I'm sure you see this the same way. You can't just jump. It's not, it's not a pool. It's not a kiddie pool where you can just start <laughs> stomping around on it, expect to see success in a particular magical working. Um, and so let me ask you this, because I'm a little bit curious. Um, sure. Only having formally practiced satanic magic, I'm not sure how other systems work, um, is, is success in a magical working for you a successful result of the working meaning if you were trying to destroy someone um is the only version of success the ultimate destruction or if you're trying to uh seduce someone in a ritual is the only version of success uh the act of lust with that individual like how is it that you define success well that's gonna be independent upon the individual because I have done uh, workings or cast spells that I expected to end or manifest in a certain way and mm -hmm. that was what I was looking for however after you know actually moving forward and living life and all of a sudden I get a manifestation which was actually 
like what I asked for or what I worked for, but it didn't quite manifest in the way I wanted it to manifest, but it manifested. So for me, I would then look at what I did and how I did it and say, well, I got what I wanted, just it didn't quite come the way I expected it to. So yes, it was successful, but if I really wanted it to manifest in a particular way, maybe I should reword, rework, you know, whatever that is. So for someone else, they might think that it wasn't successful, but from my perspective, it was. It just didn't quite manifest in the exact way I wanted it to, but it was the result that yeah. I wanted. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Yeah, no, I, I had a, a situation where I was uh, actually pretty new into just performing greater magic rituals. And uh, I was, I had been self-identified as a Satanist for years. I had a friend who um, his father was in the hospital and he was just suffering and he was going to inevitably die. Um, and he asked if there's anything in my magical whatever that I could do to aid in the um, speeding up the process so he didn't have to suffer anymore. They didn't want to pull a plug. He just thought that this would be a nice way without having any like emotional baggage on his own end. And yeah, he was a friend of mine. I cared about him. He took care of me when I needed him to take care of me. And so I thought this would be great. Um, so I did go and perform a ritual out in the middle of this field at night. And it was really powerful, at least for me experiencing it. And the next day, you know, it's, it, it's funny when you think of uh, success and magic, typically people, you know, they have Hollywood and they have hearsay to go off of. And so they think um, success is like a light switch that as soon as you're done working it, you blow out your candles, you ring your bell, you leave the ritual chamber, and then bam, it happens. Um, the next day, his father was improving, actually, improving his health. And I was like, huh, that's weird because that's not what I asked for at all. And that's, you know, I, I had never had a failure um, before, and so it, it really struck me as odd. Um, and so I, it, it was up in Idaho. And so I traveled back down to Utah and the next day I got a phone call and it was my friend and he was like, my father just died suddenly out of nowhere. I was like, Oh, you're welcome. He was like, you didn't have anything to do with that. I was like, it's literally two days ago. You asked me to perform a ritual to basically kill your father because he was suffering. And now you're saying that it had no effect at all. And then you have to go to this sort of individual understanding of magic. It may not happen the way you expect it to happen. Um, you may not see results at all, but for the Satanist, the idea of a successful greater magic ritual is that whatever emotions you had inside of you that were preventing you from moving forward in that instance, that you were trying to help another person with, that you pour it out into the ether, into the universe, and that act of, of getting it out allows you to then move forward. And that is what success is. And so whether or not you see the success uh, manifest itself, it's not as relevant as the fact that you were able to get past or get through what you were trying to do. And in this case, it just ended up where he did end up dying. He did, you know, die quickly, which is what my whole point was, even though it was a day later. And I had to come to that understanding of, well, maybe it doesn't happen the way that you imagine it, because maybe magic isn't this A plus B equals C formula. And maybe we just have to take a step back and realize that we do not have abject control over the universe. And uh, that's okay. As long as you're doing what you need to do to get through life and to get through that moment, that's what's important.
Right. Uh, I have a couple of things. I, I I know that there people are are watching. I haven't actually been able to keep up with the chat. I know there's questions, but I know that people are going to be questioning morals hmm. because morals and magic always come up. But I'm talking to to you, which obviously when we're talking about death, uh, using magic to to end someone's life, uh, manipulating other people. So morals, morals, morals at all? Do you have morals? I mean, I know that the uh, stereotypical response is Satanists don't have morals, but I, I don't believe. I don't that. think that's true at all. No, I, I don't think that's true there's, either. There's not a shared moral system. Morals are divide. Again, so let me quickly say mm -hmm. this: all Satanists are different, and so that extends to individual morals as well. You know, our our morals are are sort of the codes that we live in life are informed by our uh, parents who raised us or the absence of parents who raised us, the culture that we were raised in, the society that we were raised in. You develop your own sense of ethics and morals through growing up as an adult. It's just something that naturally occurs. And to, so you can't, like, I don't know any Satanists that adhere to like a Judeo-Christian form of morals. But we do definitely have our own sense of good and bad. And it really distills down to this. Good is what you like. Bad is what you don't like. And that's pretty much it. So there's there's no... For us, it's a little bit silly thinking that there is some universal ethics or morals when there's no universal controller of anything. Um, so the idea that by harming someone, somehow you're going to be paid back, is it doesn't make sense to us. So it's not something that we even pay attention to we don't think about it's just it's it's out there with god worship and, and we don't do that so and that's true you don't um so when we're talking about then determining what's what's a good thing and a bad thing it's very individualistic yeah, correct absolutely yeah and and i would even suggest maybe even situational yeah, yeah. Well, and here's the thing is because you have you have your own sense of self, your own ethics and morals that are within you. But for example, um, in my life that I lead, I am uh, art director of an advertising agency. I will treat my uh, clients with the respect that they deserve as clients. And I will um, treat those in the business that I work with uh, in a certain manner because it benefits me to act that way. If I am at home, I will not be treating certain people in the same way that I treat um, a client because one, there's an immediate benefit to me acting this specific way to this specific person that kind of controls the purse strings. Uh, and there's another when it's just some asshat on the street who's being a dick. You know, I, I don't have to care about them, so I will not. So my morals and my ethics are going to be situational, just to your point. They're going to be changing. So there's no such thing as martyrdom in Satanism. We do not believe in it. So if your life is in danger, lie your fucking ass off so that you can live another day. If I was ever captured in uh, Saudi Arabia and forced by the throat by a knife to confess that I really truly adore Allah and that I am going to convert to their religion. Well, hell yes, I'll say that because I want to live. And the projected morals or ethics that I have do not define the internalized ones that I of who I am as a human being or individual. 
that's lesser magic. That is, you are presenting one form in order to manipulate or control, but the side of you who is truly you is almost always hidden. It's only your loved ones and those you truly trust and are uncomfortable with that are going to get the real sense of who you are as a human being. And I would call that a glamour, right? Yeah, no, You're absolutely. totally glamouring. I mean, and and as much as I think a lot of people hate to admit it, they're glamouring a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, and uh, to be quite fair, uh, Satan, I mean, Anton LaVey used the word glamour in fascination. Oh, he does. Okay. Yeah. So that is a large part. It, yeah. it is that that's at the core of what the command to look comes from the look that a Satanist must be able to have in order to capture the attention. It's all stems from the traditional language that was used, you know, witchcraft in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right. So let me see what questions I have. Um, so actually you, you kind of answered this, but so drawing your power to uh, cast your spells, to do your magics is all that power is from within, correct? Yeah. That's where yeah. your source is. So, so when you're talking about like greater magic ritual, mm -hmm. you know, we believe in this idea of, of vital existence. Um, you know, that, that is what is within you, your, your lust for life, your celebration of the carnal side of being a human being, and your individual authority and control that you exercise throughout the wor world. So whenever you're uh, conducting a, a greater magic ritual, you want to generate those adrenal energies that are inherent and dormant within you as a human being and direct them to whatever end is the purpose of the ritual itself. Um, and so it's that, that, adrenal energy that you're generating. It's that vital existence that you have that you're tapping into that you're then uh, pouring out into the greater universe to make that change. How does one cultivate that? I mean, because I imagine that a lot of individuals may not even be, um, might, may not even realize the potential that they have. So how would someone mm -hmm. come to recognize that and cultivate that so that they can build up this power basically to right. enact these rites and rituals so we're we're sort of stumbling into a little bit of theory here um that's Anton okay LeVay, i like theory <laughs> Anton they like to refer to this as the combination lock principle okay. so the idea that uh an individual success in magic is a combination and in order to get all of those levers within that combination to switch into the open position and that lock to open up and your will be done is going to be dramatically different for every individual. So there are some common themes that people can attempt to draw on, but ultimately it's up to the individual magician to determine what works best for them. And if it doesn't, if what you're doing is not working and you're not feeling like you're getting the success, there's uh, that old platitude, if at first you don't succeed, try, try, try again. Try, try again. <laughs> we flip it on its head and we say, if at first you don't succeed, try it again. If you still don't succeed, try someone or something new. Because obviously see. you're doing something wrong. So with magic, you must be uh, malleable with your, uh, your your ideas and your methods and, and your expressions of it. I feel like I'm spitting a lot, sorry. <laughs> I don't know if you uh, see you're it, not like, hitting me, I don't feel it, so we're good. <laughs> So um, the combination lock principle is essentially each individual magician's uh, techniques uh, drawn from life experience, drawn from what they're personally aesthetically uh, drawn, you know, 
attracted to. Uh, life events, certain areas, maybe it's an artifact. Uh, these items or these events or situations are what excite you and draw in that adrenal en energy. Um, so if you're performing a lust ritual, uh, if you're from my era of growing up, a little pubic hair is not bad. So maybe you want to draw out some uh, 70s porno mags or something that, that will just sort of turn you on a little bit. You know what I mean? That is going to be, that imagery is going to help you. Maybe you want to turn on some porno music. I don't know why I'm going on this direction. <laughs> uh, but that crazy 70s porno music, maybe that will help draw that energy out of you. Um, if it's a destruction ritual, maybe you want to uh, get some uh, Flight of the Valkyries playing uh, as music and just turning all the lights off and just letting it flood your mind with images of the destruction of this individual. Maybe you want to pull out pictures of the person that you want to fucking kill and just have their stupid, ugly face, whomever that may be, drive that fury within you that will then draw that energy up. Ultimately, the goal is to extinguish whatever it is that you're generating. You need to get it out. That's the whole purpose of the ritual in and of itself. It's that psychodrama that you're performing, but you need to extinguish that passion, that drive that you have just generated, um, lest it drive you crazy carrying that kind of madness around all day. And you're, so, you're basically releasing that out to the target of whatever it is that you're looking to right. manifest, correct? Yeah, yeah. So whether it's compassion, whether it's lust, whether it's destruction, whatever end you're looking for, that is where you're focusing. And that's why um, there's another idea of, of evocation. You need to be able to be entirely enraptured in the moment. Um, you need to have enough tricks in your bag in order to call on if a particular moment sours. But you have to be able to be on the move and be engrossed within it. Um, and not a lot of people can do that because, again, you're focusing and concentrating on one singular thing. And a lot of people have issues with concentration. That's, that's fine. Everyone's chemistry is different and everyone's mind works differently. Um, but again, study, not worship. You need to practice at focusing your attention and directing whatever it is that you're generating. I can totally understand that. I mean, isn't that, I almost feel like that's, uh, a formula that uh, many different types of magic use, building up that energy, building up that power in order to release it to the target that yeah. would the intention. I mean, is yeah, yeah, that's, yeah and, and we we refer to greater magic. The, we refer to the uh, ritual chamber as um, uh, a decompression chamber for the mm -hmm. very reason is that we're entering it with angst or anticipation or some form of a block. And we need to decompress ourselves. So we get into the ritual chamber, decompress ourselves through the ritual act itself. And then when we emerge on the other side, we can use lesser magic and we can move forward with a clearer mind and more focused attention on how to then, you know, we don't see greater magic as an end all. Okay. So if I was trying to seduce you, for example, I wouldn't just perform it in the ritual chamber and then just sit back and just wait like, come on, she's going on any minute now. No, it would be, it's now time for me to use the other tools in my toolbox. I've got to use a little lesser magic. I'm going to go you know, sending flowers or I'm going to be, I'd even do a fucking 70s mixtape that never fails. Get a little bit of uh, soul on some, uh, some, some tape. Uh, 
it, it always comes through in the end, I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah. to the point, you know, <laughs> you're like, mm. I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think so. It ain't going to happen. Um, so the greater uh, ritual and the, or the greater magic or wait, greater ritual, great, greater the greater magic, and magic. the lesser work together. You don't do one without the other. Oh, my God. That sounds well, again, like a song or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing or the other. Uh, again, depends on the Satanists. Some Satanists don't even I like the idea of greater magic. Really? Um, yeah, some people can't get past the suspension of disbelief. And I don't know how they don't do that. Can, the suspension of disbelief is essential in a, in a ritual chamber because you're literally calling on devils and demons and gods and goddesses from mythology throughout all of human history. Um, you're calling out to Satan and Lucifer and Belial and Leviathan, and but there's see, these that like, doesn't, but that doesn't make sense to me if you don't believe in in other in deity. Why would you call on deity? That's a good question. Suspension of disbelief. So we recognize as human beings in a ritual setting that certain acts generate a certain amount of energy within us and excitement. And again, I came from an occult background. And so the idea of calling out or summoning a demon or, or drawing power from Satan himself, whatever it may be, I like that idea. I don't subscribe mm -hmm. to it from a rational point, but as a human being going into the ritual chamber, you suspend disbelief. You stop using your intellect and you just let your emotions oh, guide you yeah. because well, you're not gonna be able to draw your adrenal energies from a position of uh, analyzing and logic. having this lens of logic hovering over everything that you're doing. You have to go in full bore. This is really fucking happening. I don't care what you, uh, maybe Lilith crawls from behind the altar and starts rubbing her hand on your shoulder. Whatever it is, that is happening in that moment. Mm -hmm. And it's maybe it's just happening for you, but that's okay because that's what's drawing that excitement from the moment in order to then direct it on. And you don't analyze it. You don't overthink it. You just let the experience happen. And that's why as Satanists, we like to do it because there's, we're human beings. We, we demand some form of ritual as intelligent creatures. You know, it's just something that's been a part of who and what we are in our evolution as, as beings. And so we recognize the need, but we don't have to rationalize it. We don't have to overexamine it. We're okay. still at, you know, at the end of the ritual. And when we leave that ritual chamber, we're right back where we were at the beginning. Clear heads. Maybe you've done something to get it out of your system and now you can move on. All right. So that's really interesting. I'm going to, I like that. I'm going to think about that a little more because I, I didn't think that that sort of thing, because I actually have here a question about spiritual entities and devils and demons and does that fit in and how does it fit in if it does. So it does in a sense where you're using it in almost like, um, what, do you, what would you call it? Like um, in the, in that ritual, but mm. it's more of a tool as Absolute, opposed yeah. to a belief in a spiritual entity, like yeah, an archetype. Yeah. You're using the archetypes of that psychologically to... Yeah, I mean, we're, we're really just drawing on um, our relationship. Again, we go back to this from the very beginning with Aleister Crowley. Our relationship with the names that we choose to say. Mm -hmm. um, our relationship with the ideas of a Satan, of a Belial, of a Lucifer, of a Leviathan. And we're using that relationship that we've had that we've developed as irrational children and we're tapping right back into it 
We're okay. evoking in the moment these creatures that honestly don't exist, but it's fun. I go to and see, I, I see fantasy movies or superhero movies, or I watch dramas that there's no possible way any of it could happen. But right. in the movie theater, in the moment, that's why I love horror movies. In the moment, oh, me too. when Freddy Krueger is trying to murder you in your sleep, you are... You're sold. Like, Freddy's fucking real, man. And he's going to fucking kill me. And I get terrified just thinking about it. But that's what I love about it. It's the suspension of disbelief. You have to be able to tap into that, that side of who you, you, your humanity, your childhood, your fascination, your excitement about the what ifs and the, the impossibilities of existence. Because if you can't, reality is fucking hard it is like, isn't it life can be brutal and if you can't even tap into the fun of a movie and then translate that suspension of disbelief into a ritual chamber you're missing out man <laughs> i was just gonna say i mean if we look at it well uh, if i look at it in this way if you're some if you're a satanist that can't do that then your magic i feel and i think isn't going to be as successful yeah and maybe that's, then, a, that's my opinion, but yeah, hell, no, it's no, my, no. I can state my opinion. Totally valid, totally valid. Um, and that's why some people don't even try it. They yeah. don't like the idea of it. They know that they would they would feel silly or they would feel stupid. Um, maybe they didn't like the idea of being an actor growing up. Whatever it is, they take themselves too seriously. That's kind of a sin in Satanism, but sins are sort of tongue-in-cheek, and so it's okay. Um, <laughs> you just have to, if you can't get past it, then you're just not going to see greater magic ritual as an option, as a tool to use. And that's okay. Not every Satanist does and not every Satanist has to. But I will say you have to practice lesser magic if you're going to be a Satanist in any form. Because the sole purpose of being a Satanist is to command your life and have your will be done on the greater world at large. And you can't do that without using lesser magic in some form. That right. is what lesser magic is. So that means either you're a terrible fucking Satanist or you were never Satanist in the first place and you're just a fanboy. Yeah. Which is okay. Just don't call yourself a Satanist. Just like what it is, you know? Yeah. yeah you tell them that. They're going to still I call do. them. I, I know you do. I know you do. I've watched some of your videos okay. and listened to just some of your stuff. Yeah. Um, I would never invite you without checking you out first. Um, <laughs> Some random dude. Hey, come on the show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at He says he's a Satanist. I'll just have him on the show. Why not? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, chaos magic. In some of the stuff that you were talking about, I don't know how familiar you're, uh, you are with chaos magic, but a lot of the stuff where you were talking about adopting um adopting ideas and then dropping them and if it doesn't fit it, it sounds very similar to some of the chaos magic stuff that i've read are you familiar with I'm chaos actually, magic no i'm actually not really familiar with it at all um okay. chaos magic came up in one of the greater magic discussions i was having when i ran the podcast nine cents um i was speaking with a high priestess uh uh, Nidramia and um, uh, Citizen Nanaya Asema, and it was a question that was submitted. I wasn't familiar with it, so I didn't field it, um, but Magister Nidramia addressed it, and according to that discussion, it was very different than anything in Satanic Magic, and so I only okay. have that to go off of, so I don't actually know myself. Okay, that's okay. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, just, I, I'm open to hearing about it if you if you want to. I, I don't. I'm not an expert in chaos magic, but the whole idea, from what I understand, is mm -hmm. that you adopt a paradigm within your practice and you use it at that moment. But it, you may drop it 
in the very next moment and adopt another paradigm, but you have to have full belief in it in order for it to aid in your manifestation. And there was something I just jotted down, I put chaos magic question, because there was something that you were talking about that made me think of that, that it sounded similar. Obviously it's not the same, or it would be called the same thing, but it seemed like the philosophies and the theories within the two seemed very similar, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's differences yeah. within the system or something, but I'm that sure. idea is definitely, you know, if it works for you, do it. If it doesn't, don't. So we have about, what, 13 minutes. So I'm going to go into the chat and scroll through and see what kind of questions we're getting. I have no idea. This could be <laughs> hilarious. Um, spiritual Satan. Oh, that was someone was asking about the other Satanist I mentioned. That was, yeah, whatever. I don't know where he is. He disappeared. Um I want to see the chat room. Where is this? Um, if you go to, oh gosh, if you go to, um, yeah, on my channel, I think it's it's like right on the side. I pop okay. it out and I put it, it I, yeah, anyway. I got you. That's what uh, I do on mine too. <laughs> do you think Crowley was a Satanist? No. There's no. your answer. No. I, I don't know. So we'll go with his answer because it sounds intellectually right. <laughs> um, do you think you have power over other other people's magic? That's interesting. Um, that's interesting. That assumes that there is this consistent form or level or power that someone inherently has. And magic isn't something uh, that we, when it comes to greater magic, we don't intellectualize it. And so we don't give it a form. We don't give it a shape. We don't give it any type of anything really. And so to say that I have power over someone else's, you would have to dive down to that moment. And what is it that you're trying to do versus what is it that they're trying to do? And ultimately, if your will is done, then you're successful. And then you did have control over their, not necessarily over their intention, because that's really what magic is. You're exerting your will, your intention over the universe. So no, you don't have over their magic, but as long as you're successful, then that's all that matters. So, yeah. yeah. And it's funny because that's, that's very similar to a question I pose to people when I have discussions about magic. You know, if you have one witch who's casting for peace and another witch who is casting for war, who's going to win? Whose will will manifest? And I can never come up. I, I always say, I guess it depends on the person who with the greatest desire, with the greatest will, with the greatest energy behind their intention. I mean, if you have a weak witch who's casting for peace and you have a very strong and emotionally attached witch to destruction and war, I mean, the greater force or the greater desire would win. But I mean, it's... You, you can't really yeah. tell, right? I mean, we don't really see it that way. So no. that the outcome is not as important as the act. Okay. And so, it, you know, if you have two Satanists and they're like, I'm going to, I want Trump to wage war on North Korea. And you have another Satanist like, I fucking like Trump. I want him to fuck, get away from North Korea. And they're like, you know, like, I don't, it's like a, it's like a card game or something, you know, they're like playing against each other, trying to see who comes out on top. That's right. How is that going to best benefit you as, as a, a warlock or a witch? That doesn't make sense. So what if we break that down? So what if we were to break that down to something that 
would benefit you as an individual? Can you come up with an example of something you might want to even? I okay, so if even, I want a promotion and, and another saying is doesn't want me to have a promotion. Or so, they want the promotion. You want right, Okay, so you're vying for the same to. promotion. Yes. Um, ultimately, everything comes down to your skill level. So when it comes to the ritual chamber, if you were so threatened by that other individual that you felt like there's no way you can get past it, that is what's holding you up that's when you enter the ritual chamber not to get the promotion because hopefully your quality of work your sense of worth uh, to the employer um your general uh, uh behavior and and uh, philosophy of being a productive member of the team that's what's going to get you the the promotion but for some reason you're hindered and so you have to enter the ritual chamber well then you would be going in there to get rid of the hangups that you have as an individual. And okay. then once you're finished with that, you'll understand that you can do this, use what you know an employer wants as a basis, and then improve on that. Become indispensable and you use lesser magic. I was just going to ask, would you use lesser magic then? Yes. After you get Always. rid of the blockages and the obstacles and the personal hindrances, you've cleared the way so that magic can take the path of least resistance because you're getting yeah. rid of those resistance then you use lesser magic to sweeten yeah. the deal right yeah yeah and ultimately if you didn't succeed well that's okay you did your best that's well, all you better you have done your best right yeah otherwise if don't even don't bother. do your best then that's a sin isn't it well isn't i mean hopefully you sins, would... isn't it not i thought it was maybe not you always want to um, be successful, of course, um, but not every, again, you know, not every Satanist is the same. Some Satanists are lazier than others. I was going to say, so, really? A lazy Satanist? <laughs> yeah. No, why are you a Satanist if you're lazy? I mean. I like to know too, but it does, you know, it, it happens. Well, and then here's the other thing is that th this idea that simply because you identify um, with a philosophy or a religion, then you are somehow a paragon of that. Well, that's not true. We're all human. We're all we're all we're all liars and deceivers of ourselves more than anyone else and so part of growth as a human being you know your maslow's hierarchy of needs you get the basis of safety and food security and and having uh, clothing and a roof over your head then you can work on you right and that's really where satanism is really strong because then you just focus you look and have an honest reflection of who and what you are realize that maybe some of the goals that you really want to attain aren't obtainable. We are born, and this is just my opinion on things, but everything's attainable. Everything's See, attainable. I, I completely disagree. Uh, I think everyone is born with a finite ability. Um, not everyone is going to be a Michelangelo. Not everyone no, is going to be a Beethoven. I so everyone is born with, so the idea that you could be a master at anything if you practiced your whole life at that one thing, I think is a lie. I, 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 you could get really good at it, but not everyone is a shining star in the sky. There are worker bees true. in life. There are this is true. fucking losers in life. There are failures at everything in life. And that is just the genetic wad that you were dealt. Sucks, uh, but that's reality. That's, what, that's how evolution works. Some people are just going to die off because they're fucking wastes of skin. I don't know about that because... Mind. Well, because I think, I don't know about that, because I think everybody has a place and everybody has their, you know, their lot. I mean, there's a place for everyone and everyone has a place. But I don't That's know. That's definitely where we deviate. Huh? 
That's definitely where it's right? Because I, I think even the losers are necessary in life for Ooh, other that's people a good point. to be able to see what they don't want to be, which then may motivate the winner to excel where they may have been a little lazy. Do you know what I'm saying? I do, and I like that idea. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm you. Look at it. my mind. Changed your mind. Oh my god, I gotta write this day down because I never thought that was gonna happen. Um, no, I like that idea. That, that, no, I because I honestly, that's I honestly on the other side, that. I want to make sure that there's not like this. Oh, I mean, in the way that I would see that play mm -hmm. out is that there's not this overarching plan for it, but certainly situationally, no. because they simply exist. You could look at them and be like, I'm not going to be like that, dude. I'm going to study harder. I'm going to practice more. And I'm going to be a little bit better than that. Guy. I may never be the best at this person or, you know, on par with this person. I'm going to do my personal best. And that's what as Satanists we strive to do. We, we recognize our faults. We try to work on them if we feel like they're holding us back. And maybe we just like our faults and we want to sit with them. That's okay, too. But for every individual Satanist, it's up to them on how they want to progress as a human being. As long as you're respecting the laws of the society you live in. You're being responsible as uh, to those that you decide to be responsible, responsible to. to. Um, like, you know, and for me, it would be my family, of course, my kids, my wife. Um, and then, you know, just uh, live your life and try to succeed, achieve the goals that you set out for yourself. Right, right. I guess, you know, I, and I know, I know that um, I don't identify as a Satanist because I can, I can follow and then I just, I can't follow any longer. My, my positivity, my altruistic right-hand side yeah. kind of takes over. Um, where, you know, the way I see the left-hand side is self-actualization. Self and the right-hand side is altruistic. And I, the, the non-traditional Wiccan, kind of does this on the crooked path. Where sometimes it's all about me. And sometimes it's all about everyone else. Um, so that's where I kind of like... See, but I think that idea alone is pretty satanic. Because if you're going back and forth, then you're not trying to be altruistic for altruistic's sake. You're doing yeah, it because yeah. it somehow gives you some benefit or it makes you feel good maybe. And maybe yeah. that's, that's all that you need. So you're going to find Satanists who are down in uh, Houston right now rescuing animals and bringing them to animal shelters Aww. and doing what they can to help because that's what brings them happiness. Right. Me, I don't want to get in the damn storm, so I'm staying the hell away from it. <laughs> Even though I got friends that are close to it, but that's not for me. So I'll just sit here nice and happy where I am and I'll applaud those who desire to do things like that. But yeah, just because you're a Satanist doesn't necessarily mean that you don't like helping other people. There's plenty of Satanists who are part of plenty of organizations like the VA or the ACLU or government itself that prefer to just sort of work behind the scenes and, and do what makes them happy. Yeah, yeah. Look at this, I didn't even get, I got to what, two questions oh. in the chat? I And it's our time, we have like two minutes. Um, <laughs> I am not. How do you think magic works? That I'm not going to answer that one. That one's going to take forever. Do you believe in using the energies of the plants and earth energy? Nope. He said the power comes from himself, right? You don't yeah. tap other. Yeah. See, I answered for him. Look at that. Someone deleted, met, retracted their message. Damn, I want to know what that said. <laughs> um, I hate it was that. Dirty. I know. I wanted to know. Are you kidding? <laughs> Um, self-delusion is not magic. I don't know what that person was talking about. Um, monkey's paw. I don't know what they're talking about. Um, look, uh, look at that Xerxes666 retracted all their messages. What the heck? Someone <laughs> liked your 70s porn, huh? Laugh out loud. It's the best. It's the <laughs> best. 
Because they don't try to have... I'm going to tell you why, Sebastian. They don't want to hear it. It's because they don't really try for the story. They just set up a stupid scenario of, oh, you needed a plumber? And that's any it. porn, any... But no porn has a story? I think Really? There are porn that has story? I've stuff. never seen a porn with a well, story. parodies of movies. Oh, one so that's not a so story. Just stuff that is, you know, the 70s, that's where you got to go for the good stuff. <laughs> You got you get to see the pimples on their ass. You get to see the like massive amounts of really gross pubic hair. And there's something about that era. This is my little personal ECI that uh you know comes out. I, I love it. Seventies. I was too young to watch. I guess I have to go. You're older never too young to watch. Actually, you are too young to watch. But now you're not too young to watch it. Let's see there. Yeah. Well, in the seventies, I was too young to watch porn. Yeah. 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 Um. Uh, you sound as if you just don't care if it's real or not real. I don't know who that, what that person is talking about. All right. See, this is what happens when you don't follow the chat and you try to go back later because <laughs> then you can't find it. And this chat was busy. Satanism is at the core of who I am. Oh, oh, I don't care. All right. No, I, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess there's no other questions. It's nine o'clock anyways. Was there anything you wanted to say before I ended? I wanted to give you an opportunity. Uh, well, I want to thank you for having me on. It was an oh, honor. I had a really good conversation. I, I, I like that we can have a conversation, not agree on absolutely every point, and still be okay with it. I think this is something that our country needs a lot more right now. And uh, this is a perfect micro example of that. Yeah, yeah. Lead by example. That's what I like to do. <laughs> Anyways, everybody should be so uh, generous. And yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, agreeing to not agree with everything. And because if everybody was the same, it'd be so boring. Oh, yeah. I mean, seriously. Oh, yeah. um, thank you for, for agreeing to come on the show. This was great. This was great. I, I think, yeah, you were, you're, yeah. You guys, if you haven't checked out his channel, you may not agree with everything, but you should at least give it a, a look-see and check out his website too. Um, very nicely put together, I must Thanks. say. And okay, so next week, everyone, September 7th, I have the Deviant Witches, Michael and Melissa will be on. I have no idea what we're gonna be talking about. We haven't hashed out the topic yet, but uh, come on and uh, be a part of the audience for that. It's always fun speaking to them. And September 14th, I have Nicole Canfield. She's going to be on. I believe we're going to be talking about witchcraft and magic within fiction. I think that's our topic, but I don't think we actually settled on a topic then either. Um, thank you, Kieran Gerlinger, for being the official sponsor of the Sacred Circle. If you want to find out how you can be an official sponsor, check out Lunar Wisdom's Patreon page. And for just a dollar a month pledge, you have access to four exclusive videos. The Quest Within is a series that I do with Alex. We talk about all different types of spirituality, and you, it's exclusive to patrons of Lunar Wisdom only. Check it out, and thank you all in the chat for having a lively chat. Sorry I couldn't answer any more questions, but we're out of time. So until next week, all love you. Bye. Have a great weekend. Good night.